Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Marca Jun, marca Lord Bellingham, marca el Madrid, Girona 0, Real Madrid 3, marcó Lord Bellingham. Hello everyone and welcome to the free Monday La Liga Lowdown podcast. It's been another sensational weekend in the Spanish top flight. Goals, comebacks, storylines, narratives, you name it, we had it and we're going to report on it all for you inside 35 minutes. Delighted to be joined from Madrid, bringing you the best analysis. Rory Barlow, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, Matt. Um, the hamstring is healing up. I'm sure listeners will be delighted to know. I'm sure they were waiting on tenterhooks to find out an injury update from there. But uh, yeah, not too bad. How's yourself, Matt? Matt has been away in what I would call the fairest country of them all uh, in recent weeks. I would agree. Scotland is, is a very fine place. And uh, even when the weather's not particularly <laughs> brilliant, it's still beautiful. So... Uh, much refreshed and ready to raring to go again. Fortunately, no parte medicos. Feels like I've missed out on something there, but uh, glad to hear <laughs> you're on the mend. Um, speaking of uh, parte medicos, Angel Correa made a bit of a remarkable comeback here, but we'll get onto that in part two. We have to start, though, with the big partidazo of the weekend, which ahead of it saw second against first. And it was Girona, of course, who were top. They took on Real Madrid at Montilivi on Saturday afternoon. It was quite a game, wasn't it, Rory? Yeah, it was a brilliant game. I think it ended up being a bit of a damp squib in terms of kind of the result and as a contest because Real Madrid were just so lethal in that first half. But certainly those opening kind of 20, 30 minutes were fast-paced. There was lots of quality on show. There was uh, players taking risks. I mean, Girona, those first 10 minutes were so confident on the ball and you could really see how they were going to cause Real Madrid problems. They arguably should have been 2-0 up in the opening 10 minutes but uh, but Real Madrid hit back they obviously took the lead through through Hosselu in that brilliant Bellingham assist and and then kind of sealed the game almost with with that second goal so yeah credit to Real Madrid who took their chances um, I think Girona you look at this this game and you say that if things have gone differently perhaps we're talking about either a different result or a different type of match but ultimately, let's not forget that Girona are vastly matched by even an understrength Real Madrid. So, so yeah, they they gave them a good game, got away from them a bit in the end, and uh, yeah, the sourest note, obviously that horrendous natural tackle, one of the most mindless things I've seen in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, there's been a few. We would have, you would have spoken on the uh, on the premium podcast in the week about the Chimi Avila tackle 
uh, in the Osasuna game on Morata uh, last midweek. Um, and yeah, this was every bit as bad, wasn't it? Yeah, if anything, it was worse. I mean, Chimmy Avida has history now. We know this is not the first time and uh, it was really bad because it was sort of very clear intention to stamp down on Morata. That was, it was a dreadful challenge, but Nacho, I mean, 3-0 up, stoppage time. I don't think, I don't really recall Porto and him having a kind of run-in at all. It was just brutal, the, the way he goes in. He's so so out of control, I think. I, I mean, yeah, Ancelotti said it after the match. He apologised and he said, Nacho, I mean, we can't really lack faith in him because he doesn't really do this. He's only had two red cards before and both of them have been double yellows. But that challenge was out there with the very worst. And thoughts are with Porto, who went away in an ambulance after this match. And he should receive a long ban. I mean, there's no other way around it. Uh, that kind of reckless challenge that's, could be career-ending. So, so yeah, it, it's not good. Absolutely. And, and yeah, Michel, gracious in accepting Ancelotti's uh, apology there. And uh, hopefully we can, uh, well, both managers will, will know the severity of that. And, and we wish Porto very well. He uh, issued his own statement today saying that he's on the mend and thankfully nothing is broken. So hopefully we'll see him back on the pitch very soon. It's Back on the game, it was some interest. Like you say, I, th- I think uh, Girona were punished by Madrid's nous and street smarts, really, having that know-how in a big game. As you say, they missed a couple of chances. Madrid took theirs. It was Hosselu and Bellingham, the saviours again, because Rodrigo was on the bench. What did you make of that decision? Yeah, it's a big call, but I mean, listen, on merits, you can't really argue with it. Uh, Bellingham has been the star of the show for Real Madrid, so it doesn't make sense for Ancelotti to move him. I do think it's an interesting problem that you have Bellingham, Vinicius and Rodrigo, your strongest three attackers, but playing Bellingham in what has been, if not his strongest, but his most effective position essentially means you're not going to get the best out of Vinicius and Rodrigo, at least as things stand, as Ancelotti has set it up right now. You saw Vinicius, even though he's coming back from injury, he played about 65 minutes, he was reasonable, he had one kind of good piece of play where he fought back and won the ball and created a chance, but he doesn't quite look the same and he hasn't really looked comfortable all season and Rodrigo has been, he's put together quite a highlight reel of kind of dribbles into the box, kind of going past defenders and then not being able to finish and that speaks to the fact that I don't think he's entirely comfortable without kind of a number nine playing more centrally because even if Hosselu is in the side, he's generally kind of coming across to one more side, to, uh, to one side a little bit more so as to allow Bellingham to come in behind him and so, so yeah, I think Ancelotti made the right choice. This was not a game for sentiment, given the fact that it was top against second before the weekend started, given the threat that Girona posed, and, and as we said, could have taken the lead. And Rodrigo, he'll be fine. He'll come good. So he's still a very young player, Rodrigo, but he does work better with a number nine in front of him. And I think what we've seen so far this season is that regardless of how Real Madrid do, it's going to be a season of kind of makeshift solutions and, and things being kind of placed where Ancelotti probably wouldn't do them in a, wouldn't do so in an ideal world. So Rodrigo, he's going to have to play his way back into the side. Currently, Hosselu makes them a much more effective team, in my view. Mm, I would agree there. And for all the critics of Ancelotti, and there was quite a lot after the derby, <laughs> uh, Real Madrid sit top of the table. And uh, as we say, for injuries to Courtois, to Edin Militao, other absences, as we've said, Vinicius, for a time. Uh, it's not a bad position to be in, is it, so far, for Real Madrid? The biggest game on paper, I suppose, of the week, of any week, would be the Basque Derby, and that took place on Saturday night at Anoeta. 
And Real Sociedad blew Athletic away 3 0. They're on a real roll now, Imanol's side. Three wins in a row. Twerky, Take, Kubo in the groove. Mikel Oyatabal back in the goal. Zubimendi doing Zubimendi things. This was just a, a great spectacle of football, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really good game and Valverde said before the game that the Bass Derby is for him the best game in Spain or the best derby in Spain and in terms of kind of pure footballing fun it's hard not to agree because these teams they play hard and they play physical but they generally play pretty fair the games are always pretty entertaining even if they're not necessarily goal fests they'll be tense and they'll be tight the fans get on but they're still pretty vociferous in their support it's it's a good footballing occasion and something that kind of restores your faith in the game a little bit at times. Did uh, mine. Given some of the antics, <laughs> given some of the antics that uh, tend to go on. So, so yeah. And in terms of performance, I mean, La Real put in one of their best performances of the season, in my view. They rose to the occasion. They always give you a chance, La Real, and Iñaki Williams had two very good chances. And I think if you look back at their kind of previous weeks. Inter and Real Madrid will punish those chances and they did in those games against La Real and that's where they dropped points but against an athletic side that yeah, I mean I tweeted out afterwards it's as if they've been in this kind of hellish purgatory of, of kind of La Liga football where they're they're good but not quite good enough as to what their fans want and they play like good enough football but they're just missing that one crucial thing and that is the goal scorer and until they get that back they're always going to struggle and in this game it it paid to their hopes but uh, but yeah some big individual performances from that AL too yeah I mean Iñaki was on a roll but as you say the consistency just never is quite there with him and familiar issues for them um, pretty much impossible to solve though with, with the way they are but again you wouldn't want to take that, that special thing away from them uh, well uh, yeah L'Oreal temporarily moved up to fourth Atleti overtook them on Sunday night but Definitely moving in the right direction. And as you say, back in the Champions League uh, this midweek, hoping to, to get three points on the board after such an impressive start against Inter uh, was all undone with that late uh, Lautaro goal. As for Barca, they kicked off the weekend on Friday night. Pretty rare. I think the last time Barca played on a Friday was a certain Champions League game in Lisbon when they were beaten by Bayern Munich, but we won't dwell on that too much. Um, they won this game at least. Uh, they beat Sevilla 1-0 and they had an old friend to thank for it as Sergio Ramos scored an own goal for Barcelona. Um, it's really remarkable. He's he scored three own goals, two of which came in a Real Madrid shirt against Sevilla and this one in a Sevilla shirt against Barca. So he really knows how to pick them. Um, but on the whole, <laughs> he had a great game and, and really it's all about Lamine Mal once again, wasn't it? Who, when he was born, Ramos had played 105 La Liga games. <laughs> I read this week. It's, it's pretty nuts, isn't it? A 21-year gap between them. Ramos had already won his first La Liga title with Real Madrid by the time Yamal, Lamine Yamal was born. And and yeah, like you said, he, he did play well. And you listen to Xavi after the match, he said it's an unfortunate goal, but he's a brilliant competitor. He was full of praise for Ramos. And Sevilla did pretty well in this game. I, 
I think Barcelona balance of play and the balance of chances probably deserve to win this. But uh, but Sevilla stood up against them. Bade and Ramos in the middle of the defence were really, really good. And Xavi, I mean, we've all got kind of doubts or, or grumbles with Xavi because he, he isn't the perfect manager and perhaps never will be. But the trust that he's shown in the youngsters is pretty remarkable. And you look at that kind of, well, Lemin Yamal gets the assist from this. It's his header that Ramos bundles into the goal. Uh, he leaves Lamine Yamal on instead of Joao Felix. He brings on Fermin Lopez instead of perhaps Oriol Romeo. It would have maybe been a more obvious choice to move Gundogan further forward in this match when Rafinha comes off injured. And Fermin Lopez is the person that's going to be on the end of that Lamine Yamal header if Ramos doesn't get to it. So, so yeah, the trust that he's shown in the youngsters. Fermin Lopez, who came on, I think, about 35 minutes in and probably did enough for the Man on the Match award. He was really fantastic. You could see his confidence grow in the moment. He had a couple of gorgeous turns where he just kind of left the, stood up as a Sevilla midfielder. And, and Barcelona, yeah, it wasn't spectacular. Xavi, interestingly, I thought, said that he was content, satisfied, and they'd taken a step forward in terms of their play in this match. And certainly they were tighter, but there's still holes in this Barcelona side. And I think... Unless you get a fully rested Barcelona side that's playing once a week and a team that is perhaps confident and injury-free, I don't know if we're going to see that all season. We didn't see it last season, and I think it will be a while before we see it again. Yeah, they, they now head to Porto to play in the Champions League. Uh, that'll be a pretty good one uh, before they head to Granada for the next La Liga match. Uh, just a quick note on Lamina Mal. Of course, he's been phenomenal. There's one record he would love to break, but he's only got one more chance now, and that is the youngest La Liga goalscorer. Because if he doesn't do it against Granada, he won't be able to do it. That record would stay with Fabriz Olinga from Malaga. So, Lamine Mal, take plenty of shots against Granada, otherwise that record is not going to be yours. <laughs> you only get one chance, and that's, uh, that is his last chance. So, yes, yeah, Sparta back to winning ways after the Mallorca slip-up, but um, Real Madrid sitting on top. Classico, 28th of October, guys. Make sure it's in your diary. We're already in October now, so counting down the days. Uh, final game before we head to a break. Um, I must admit, I didn't expect this one to be in part one. <laughs> it was 20th against 19th. <laughs> we heard, obviously, Vicente Moreno was sacked by Almeria. We covered that in the midweek podcast last week, Rory. Um, so, managerless Almeria. Winless, of course, as well. Taking on a Granada side, who are also pretty shaky as well. Alberto Lasarte, the uh, the guy that was promoted from the B team to take charge of this one, he would probably have fancied his chances at half time because Luis Suarez blew Granada away with a five minute hat trick before half time. <laughs> Three nil up at the break. You're thinking, Phew, they're going to get a win here. But second half, Granada came out of the blocks. They missed a penalty, but still scored three times to make that comeback and could have won it at the end. Empata esta locura. Este partido eléctrico que todavía no está decidido. 86 de partido. Almería tres. Granada tres. Yeah, I think it was our pals at La Pausa as well saying that Lagi Ramazzani is the first player in about 
think it was nearly 10 years, nine years since Marco Asensio to provide three assists from open play, as he did for Luis Suarez. Almeria were pretty rampant, and Granada, who had the joint worst defence with Almeria before this match with 18 goals conceded, now have the joint worst defence with Almeria <laughs> with 21 goals conceded. And it, it's kind of bizarre that it was as you were, but they came very close. Um, I, I must must admit, I forget the name of the youngster that hit the inside of the post in stoppage time for Granada. Yeah, it was very close to a very famous comeback, but Paco Lopez at least will go away reinforced a little bit with the fights, but ultimately this was a game game for winning, I think, for both sides. They will look at this, certainly coming into it, and have said that this was a match where we could have taken three points. Amaria, Luis Suarez was stretched off, he went away in an ambulance too, and we hope that's not too serious, but that could be a major blow, because Ibrahim Akone, who's been their kind of summer striker recruit, not quite seen it from him yet. I mean, he looks a handful. He's an incredibly large man and he, he, he puts himself about. He works very hard, but so far we've not really seen it in front of goal from him. And Luis Suarez, as much as he's probably not prolific, he'll miss a couple of chances. He's an absolutely brilliant kind of on his own number nine to have. He runs hard, he runs fast, he's strong. Uh, he works yeah, incredibly hard and he, he will always ensure that he stretches the game for his sight. So... Almeria, without that, it's, it's going to be a problem for them. And they still are winless eight games into the season. Hitafe will have, have set the precedent for uh, coming back. And I think this appointment, it was Carlos Carvial was the favourite, I believe, last time we spoke. And, and yeah, it's going to be really big for Almeria if they can come out of this with a good manager because, because yeah, it's looking pretty grim for them. Yeah, still winless, um, although... Not out of touch because any win would take them out of the bottom three uh, in the next match day. But um, yeah, as you say, when you haven't got a win on the board, the longer that goes, the worse the confidence feels for the team, etc. Um, but yeah, plucky comeback from Granada, especially given that their former striker scored a hat-trick against them and their former goalkeeper saved a penalty. <laughs> um, so yeah, some, some bad memories for Granada there, but uh, they made it out. Uh, of Almeria with a point. Uh, that's all we have time for in part one, but in part two we'll be back with all the other games, including another remarkable night at the Civitas Metropolitana. Don't go anywhere. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. Matt Clark here with Rory Barlow after match day eight is almost over. Las Palmas take on Celta on Monday night. But on Sunday night, it was Atleti who were up against Cadiz and surprisingly under the pump, 2-0 down to Sergio's men after 20-25 minutes. But they have their guardian angel to thank, Angel Correa, uh, subject of that horrible challenge from Jude Bellingham last Sunday in the same stadium. This time, his brace turned the game around for them as they win 3-2 in what was Anor Black's 400th game for the club. Rory, another great game. Yeah, it was a really good game. And uh, I, I was sort of questioning myself for tuning into that one ahead of the Betis one. I mean, with my larger screen as opposed to my smaller screen. Um, <laughs> but it turned out to be the right decision because Cadiz really put up a very good fight. And one of the things that I meant to mention about Real Madrid was just how humble they were in that Girona game, kind of seeding possession and hitting on the counter. And how many big teams will really have the lack of ego and have Tony Kroos on their side, I think I was tweeting out as well one of the best midfielders on the ball but are happy to give up possession and just hit on the counter because they know that's the most effective method to beat Girona. And Cadiz, they did a similar thing here. They were 2-0 up, they were playing very well. Chris Ramos played a lovely ball into the back post that was converted and then Roger Marti with a gorgeous finish of a kind of very simple kind of flick on that Axel Witzel reminded us why he's not a central central defender um, by trade at least. And, and yeah, Aleti backs against the wall. I want to give a shout out to Chris Ramos, who's another kind of, he's not necessarily prolific, but it looks like they've found someone there that will always give them a chance and will always run hard, will always kind of make the defender's life difficult. And if you're caddy, that's what they do, is they make the, the lives of their opponents difficult. And Chris Ramos is turning out to be kind of the perfect signing for that. But Aleti... Of those top three teams, Atleti are the third behind Real Madrid and Barcelona. But I'd say in terms, of in, <laughs> in terms of the big three, Matt. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think Atleti are the side that have impressed me most in terms of their actual play, followed by Barcelona, followed by Real Madrid. And it just so happens that they are um, third behind uh, Real Madrid in terms of those big threes. But uh, yeah, brilliant comeback. There was some really electric football coming on. I don't think... Don't think Cadiz defended badly here, but Griezmann was on fi- on fire. Correa was playing very well, dribbling between people, and Samolino again came on and showed that he does have what it takes to play for this Atleti side. And Saul, I think it's worth mentioning him. Five assists now this season. He's really having a comeback season. Yeah, huge performances from Saul, and very timely for Cholo Simeone because we were looking at that before the derby and thinking. They don't have a lot in reserve here for, for this derby. And the injury record that Atleti have, they can't necessarily rely on too many people. But Saul 
is usually fit as, as opposed to Rodrigo de Paul or perhaps even Goke and and yeah he's been fantastic for them and if they have him back that's like an entire star signing that Atleti are getting back because let's not forget that three four years ago Saul was being talked about as one of the best in Europe. He certainly was and uh, yeah long may that continue because he's a, a very popular player I think with, with, with his teammates and with fans too. Uh, a word for Cadiz as well I think they've been really unlucky but they're a lot more plucky this season, a lot more attacking intent, I get the feeling. Because um, in previous seasons, they've kind of relied on that defence and, and it's still strong, as we say, defended pretty OK here. And Ledesma is a superb goalkeeper, as he showed at Betis in midweek. But uh, yeah, as I say, they're a bit more, bit more progressive going forward and I think that'll serve them well in the games against those in the kind of bottom half of the table. So yeah, decent job from Cadiz there, but a good comeback from Atleti. That, that puts them fourth, remember, and they still have a game in hand against Sevilla. So, yeah, I reckon Atleti are definitely in the title race. Would you agree? Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, if they do win that game in hand against Sevilla, then they'd be two points off Real Madrid as things stand. And as we've seen, they can beat Real Madrid. So, so yeah, Atleti, I think Diego Simeone, he obviously could have wished for the better start. But I think in terms of where he wants the side to be generally in terms of gameplay, in terms of being comfortable with that system, having lost Carrasco and still having Lino performing there, uh, having lost Memphis out for quite a while this season already, Morata's in form. Cholo Simeone is doing a good job. I mean, that's not news, but he's doing an especially good job at the start of the season. Indeed. Well, Betis took on Valencia also on Sunday night. Um, and Betis needed the win, really, because... They've been a few games without a win, problems in, in Europe and in the league, but they got a pretty resounding one here against the Valencia side that now looks to be dropping down like a stone again, unfortunately. Asane Giao, once again, the bright spark out of nowhere. He's uh, He scored in each of his first two La Liga appearances, the second youngest to ever achieve that. And Ezabde scored his first goal. So and a great night's work for Betis, Rory. I know you only had a half a screen or a smaller screen on this one, but what did you make of it? Yeah, good win for Betis, and, and as you say, important, because I think they would have been yeah a game back already from La Real if, if they hadn't won this, and and as Abde with an absolute screamer, it has to be said, for his first goal, really thumped it into the top corner, and I think he's been inconsistent, to say the least, at the start of his Betis career, and he will get more consistent, he's always been a little bit up and down. Uh, but what Manuel Pellegrini needs in order for his for his side to bid successfully to, for the top four is one of him or Luis Enrique to really take a step forward, take that creative burden on and assist Isco in being kind of the players to drive the side forward. But uh, yeah, Santa Giao proving an inspired choice from Pellegrini. I mean, two goals, two games. And and uh, and yeah, Betis, I've, I think they're still underwhelming for me this season. I still think that they are further back in this race for the top four or even fifth place than than sides like La Real or even Girona now. But uh, but yeah, while they can tick along and get results, that's what Pellegrini needs until he can shape this side into something that's maybe a little bit more rounded and a little bit more consistent. Yeah, they look so exciting with the players they've got on paper, especially in those attacking areas, but it is just going to be finding that balance as we go forward. But as you say... Not many chances to get to practice it and fine-tune it on the training ground because the games are coming so thick and fast. Betis in action in Europe again on Thursday. Uh, back to Saturday then, and we had a pretty dramatic game at Vallecas. Uh, I don't know if you were there or not, Rory, but uh, 
Radamel Falcao rescued a point for Rayo in dramatic style. Uh, Alvaro Garcia put Rayo ahead, but Mallorca staged their own comeback, 2-1. It stood, but then Rayo with that penalty late on, which I think had to be repeated, didn't it? Yes, uh, Falcao had to take it again after it was saved by Rajkovic. Rajkovic was off his line, and so it was repeated. I think Rayo were a little bit fortunate to get this penalty. I mean, it was a ball up in the air, and it kind of strikes the hand of the defender who rolled it to Massa's... Yeah, irritating with his presence to say the least, and and he he was being quite irritating for the Mallorca defence in general, I think. But uh, but yeah, decent enough point for Rayo. Again, this is similar enough to to what we saw kind of last week against Villarreal, a side that is ambitious will go forward. Probably doesn't have quite the expansiveness that they did under Iraola, but they're playing reasonable football and they'll probably be okay in terms of relegation, which is ultimately what their goal is. And uh, yeah, just want to highlight Camello. Came with a really brilliant assist for Alvaro Garcia very early on, and even though he's perhaps not one of the more heralded names or one of the youngsters that people tell you to keep an eye on. Up until the box, he's a really, really good striker. He does everything that you want him to, and he's really good until he gets into the finishing positions, and then he gets a little bit more inconsistent, which ultimately is probably going to hold him back as a striker a little bit. But uh, but yeah, brilliant assist for Alvaro Garcia. Just like Rodrigo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, moving quickly on before Madrid fans jump down my throat. Uh, Osasuna had a good win <laughs> over Alaves on Sunday as well. Uh, they needed it too, but they have a very good record against Alaves and at Mendy Frotha as well in particular. Uh, I think they've chained five or six games winning without conceding a single goal at Mendy. So they really like travelling across from Pamplona to Vitoria. Um, yeah, 2-0. Uh, the Swan rounding it all off with the second goal. Yes, no, anti Budimir getting a really nice finish towards the end. And Jose Arnaith with an absolutely fantastic strike as well. Comparable to Abde's earlier on, really struck it sweetly into the top corner from distance and an important win for Osasuna who were five without a win and uh, yeah, fair enough, they'd played, I think it was uh, Atleti and Barcelona during that streak and they've got Real Madrid up next at the Bernabeu but but yeah, it was important to just kind of get off Schneid there. I think Osasuna are still coming to terms with maybe a few adjustments this season. I mean, without Abde who'd become a really important part of their attack, stretching defences, and Moy Gomez was definitely kind of the orchestrator of things for them last season with the ball at, at the very least. And now Moy Gomez has only started three of their eight games. Aymar Roth has started all of them. And he seems to be the one that Diego Barasati is building around. But he's still, again, coming into the side. He's not yet had a full season at La Liga level. So it's not going to be a kind of straight, consistent run for Roth, even though I think ceiling-wise, I understand why they're building around him. And, uh, and yeah, Alaves, Las Palmas and Granada to differing degrees and in terms of differing faults as to what's holding them back. They're all competing better than I necessarily expected at the start of the season. But punctual mistakes, punctual misses, where the quality kind of really shows is holding them back quite a bit. And uh, Alaves probably outplayed Osasuna for most of this match but couldn't score and couldn't keep a clean sheet. Just like they outplayed Delta, uh, 11 shots on target to zero and came out of that 1-1. So, yeah, a bit concerning. <laughs> a bit of uh, work to do for Luis Garcia Plata. Um, we've got one more game to review. It was 0-0, but in general, we have had a lot more goals in La Liga this season. I think that's 226 in the 78 games so far. So that's 2.89 per game, which is a really healthy ratio. I was going to ask you, Rory, about that, but for reasons of time, I'm going to leave it there. 
But as a tease, I think uh, we'll come back to that in, in a pod later in the week. So listeners, if you want to have some theories on why that may be the case, make sure you subscribe and upgrade your Substack subscription to find out the answer there. Rory then, Hetafe nil, Villarreal nil. Again, it was another Hetafe game. Lots of ill feeling towards them. <laughs> Esto es fútbol, papá. It was Villarreal doing the time-wasting here, though, because they were down to 10. Yes, uh, on uh, Friday, yes, he, uh, Jose Bordelas was in classic Bordelas form and he was being asked about the general current of opinion against Hitafe, which was very diplomatically phrased by the journalist. And he said, uh, yeah, look, look, I mean, sometimes teams do things you don't like and it rubs people up the wrong way that Hitafe, a small team with a smaller budget, are competing with these sides. But uh, as as I say to the players, esto es football, papa. This is football. Um, so so yeah, I think Bordelas was in classic form, and Hatafe slightly disappointing point for them. I think here, Philip Jorgensen, who has yeah left doubts. I mean that's a very Spanglish phrase, but been uh, error strewn throughout the kind of first opening stages of this La Liga season. Saved made two or three really good saves here. Borja Mayera, you could already see him peeling away after striking a bouncing ball very sweetly. But Jorgensen was equal to it. And yeah, Pachetta. We both like Pachetta. We both think he's a good man manager. But results wise, we know that Roch doesn't muck about too much. We know that there's an international break coming up. Yeah, I, I'm. Are you I'm suggesting a little... it's an important midweek for VRL in Europe? I think it's an important midweek. And I think if we get to November and Andini Araola has been sacked by Bournemouth, oh. then I think. And Raula might be back in La Liga. <laughs> oh, that sounds very, very intriguing. Uh, just to, to give you that context then, they have Ren in the Europa League before Las Palmas before the break. Following the break, Alaves at home and then Maccabi Haifa at home. So they have four home games coming up. They'd need to win at least three of them, surely, you would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, Villarreal haven't been playing badly, but they've been sort of in this kind of stasis for about the last seven, eight, nine months where they put together periods of good play, where they look really good at times. I mean, based on kind of the individual quality that they have, that's kind of understandable. But in terms of full 90 minutes and full kind of streaks of games, we've not seen a consistent side, neither in terms of intention, nor in terms of kind of genuine kind of solid play. So so yeah, Pachetta has some work to do. And Villarreal, I think it's, yeah, they either need to reinvent themselves under Pachetta or it might be the end of a cycle. Mm. Well, let's leave you listeners on a much happier note than that, because I'm sure everyone watching the Bass Derby on Saturday night saw the viral clip of the L'Oreal fans doing the celebration, the Poznan backs to the game. There was the one athletic club fan in the sea of L'Oreal fans. His name was John Azanza. And he actually plays in Asia Via Libre's band, believe it or not. And he spoke to Relevo. <laughs> after he went viral all over social media last night. Um, and he said, you know, there are things that make us bitter in life and football is not one of them. So football is entertainment, it's passion. I cannot be sad, I had to smile. And I think that's just a beautiful sentiment to leave you with on this on this Sunday night. So lovely listeners, we thank you all. We'd love it if you'd subscribed and upgrade to our Substack. We're very grateful for your support. Rory, thank you very much for your insight. Great to speak to you as ever. Um, yeah, we'll be back midweek with the European Roundup and then the final match day before the next international break when Scotland are playing Spain, Rory. Nothing much riding on that, is there? <laughs> well, I'll be there. I've, I've got my tickets sorted. Oh. So, uh, yes, 
Can't can't wait for the Tartan invasion of Seville, where uh, Scott's apparently a team that plays rubbish football, uh, according to Rodri, uh, sore loser Rodri, <coughs> uh, <laughs> is is turning up. Well, he he grabbed that guy from Forest by the throat the other week, so yeah, he's he's a bit annoyed at the moment, Rodri. So poor lad. <laughs> anyway, on the weekend that uh, Europe regained the Ryder Cup from the States, uh, thank you very much for that, Rory, <laughs> and uh, we'll see speak to you again soon. Adios. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.